We're going to welcome all of you that are watching with us. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. All right. Um, as you can see, uh, we've got a lot going on here this morning. And one of the things that I want to just, let me slowly point out, you can see that we've got some um, different yoke apparatus up here this morning. Now, one, one thing that I found that in the Central Virginia area, um, most um, of us, our, our background and heritage did not use oxen or cattle for plowing, mostly mules and horses. So I've actually got this yoke. For those of you that actually know Mr. Smith, I, I know I've got it upside down. It goes the other way, and that's actually the bottom. But I wanted to use it as a visual this morning and you can see that if the horses, if you look on either side, you can see the different apparatus. And so one of the things is we turn to Jeremiah chapter 27 this morning. We're going to be reading from Jeremiah chapter 27. And I just want to just, I just want to say this morning that I'm, I'm just impressed by God that we need to take a Sunday and I want to give you a warning. Literally, the, 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 the message this morning is simply a warning. And um, as I have been studying, I've been studying in Jeremiah on my own. I did not plan on teaching or doing any kind of series on Jeremiah. I've been in the book of Jeremiah just for me. Can I walk out here? There we go. Oh, yeah, that feels good. Get a little, do a little stretches. Okay. Okay. Um, but I've been in Jeremiah, and I've been studying for months, and it's just been for me personally. And yet, as I've been going through Jeremiah, and as I've been watching the progression of this amazing presentation, I'm so thankful for the prophet Jeremiah and for his obedience. If you know anything about Jeremiah, a little bit of history is called the weeping prophet. And when you see and understand a lot of what he went through and a lot of what went on, it was just a very sad time because in that particular uh, series of years, over a long period of time, um, the nation of Israel was just going through some incredibly dark days spiritually. Um, they were being incredibly evil and unfaithful um, to the God who set them apart, the one true God, Jehovah, as we sang about, Elohim, El Shaddai, many names. You can't really put a name on him because he's all inclusive. He's the creator. And so as I've been reading and studying, I've just been broken in the process for myself, and yet I've been strengthened um, and as I've been wor working my way through Jeremiah, and I can tell you, one particular week, I think I've just spent and camped out on just a few verses for a solid week. So what I want you to do is just consider my warning to you this morning, and please take it as a warning from God. Let me get these on. So let's follow along in Jeremiah chapter 27. And before we begin reading, I, I want to just give you a few words. There's so many different phrases that can be used leading up to chapter 27. But literally, words about this people group, God himself, Jeremiah, said that they were so bad. They did whatever they thought was right. They followed the evil intents of their heart. They pursued wickedness. They were constantly practicing evil. And God was constantly trying to get their attention. God gave them opportunity after opportunity to repent, to change, to turn, to come back to him. And yet they were stubborn toward their own sin. And so we see that God was left no choice. And for many of us, let's just be honest. 
We don't leave God a lot of options other than punishment, judgment. Most of us, we don't really allow him to get our attention until we're crushed and we're flat on our back and we've allowed ourselves absolutely no options other than God's option. Well, we can relate to the people that we're talking about here. That's what they did. So, just quick background. God had judged his people. Some died, and some were taken into captivity. They were made slaves of a man named Nebuchadnezzar. So read with me in chapter 27 or verse 1. In the beginning of the reign of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, the king of Judah, this word came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Thus says the Lord to me, Make yourselves bonds and yokes and put them on your neck, and send them to the king of Edom, the king of Moab, the king of the Ammonites, the king of Tyre, the king of Sidon, by the hand of the messengers who came to Jerusalem, to uh, Zedekiah, the king of Judah, and command them to say to their masters. So let me pause right there. Very, what I love about God is he understands that a lot of us need visuals. So he said to Jeremiah, Make a yoke, and the bonds are like the leather straps. So with something like this, if you're just putting it on an oxen, you put it, and obviously if it's a single or a double, you use the leather straps to go around their neck, and it's used for control and for being able to rein things in. And so I just want to also just mention to you that when you see this visual, um, when we're talking about the yoke, it's a very visible, visual symbol of harnessing the strength of a working animal. The yoke represents servitude, control, and submission. So God said to Jeremiah, I want you to make this yoke. I want you to wear it. I want you to make several, and I want you to send them around. Now, some of you walked in here this morning, and you genuinely believe in Jesus Christ. You've experienced his saving grace in your life, and yet you are still bent on trying to fit into this world. I just want to remind you, You've heard it said before. Why are, you, why are you trying to fit in when God has made you to stand out? Now, can you imagine Jeremiah? He's going to the grocery store with this thing around his neck. He's walking around town. We got some tall guys in our church family, so I watch them sometimes, they kind of duck. If I was wearing this around, I'd have to be turning sideways. And some of you ladies, you're already scared the way I hug you. Man, this would be dangerous on the welcome wagon. Hey, how you doing? Just took out four people. You get what I'm saying? But Jeremiah's living life with this thing. And so let's just keep reading. What does he say? Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, thus you shall say to your masters, I have made the earth. Hear the proclamation of God. God is making himself known to these people. I have made the earth, the man and the beast that are on the ground by my great power and by my outstretched arm and have given it to whom it seemed proper to me. And now I've given all these lands into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. Some of you read these next words. My servant. And the beasts of the field, I've also given to him to serve. So all nations shall serve him Nebuchadnezzar and his son and his son's son until the time of the land comes and then many nations and great kings shall make him serve them. And it shall be that the nation and kingdom which will not serve Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, which 
will not, will not serve him and which will not put its neck under the yoke of the king of Babylon, that nation I will punish, says the Lord, with the sword and famine with pestilence until they are consumed by his hand. Now, let me stop right here. I'm not going to try to explain, and I am definitely not making a jump from the nation of Israel to America. That's not the, that's not the point here this morning. We could spend months dissecting these next chapters, but that's not the point. The point this morning is we need to learn from what's being said here. There is a stark warning for all of us that are listening and paying attention. Let's read on. What does he say in verse nine? Therefore, do not listen to your prophets, your diviners, your dreamers, your soothsayers, or your sorcerers. who speak to you, all of these people say, you shall not serve the king of Babylon, for they prophesy, all of these groups of people prophesy a lie to you to remove you far from your land, and I will drive you out, and you will perish. But the nations that bring their necks under the yoke of the king of Babylon to serve him, I will let them remain in their own land, says the Lord and they shall eat it and dwell in it. Because God has put these people in a place of judgment because of their past choices and failures to repent and come back to God. Let's jump to verse 14. Therefore, do not listen to the words of the prophets who speak to you, saying, you shall not serve the king of Babylon, for they prophesy a lie to you. Are you get what's going on? All these different groups of people are saying, thus says the Lord, and they're giving them a message that everybody wants to hear. These people that are in captivity, these people that their family members have died, people want some good news. So here's this whole group of people that are saying, listen, I've got a word from the Lord for you. And what does he say? For they prophesy a lie to you, for I have not sent them, says the Lord. Yet they prophesy a lie in my name, that I may drive you out and that you may perish, you and the prophets who prophesy to you. In other words, what they're saying is gonna be a different outcome because you're believing a lie and you're going directly against the word in the hand of God. Do you get what I'm saying? We have a warning here this morning. What does it say? Also, I spoke to the priests and to all this people saying, Thus says the Lord, pay attention to this. Do not listen to the words of your prophets who prophesy to you saying, behold, the vessels of the Lord's house will now shortly be brought back from Babylon for they prophesy a lie to you. Do not listen to them. So here we are in chapter 27. Now we're gonna jump over to chapter 28. I want you to pay attention to what was just said and proclaimed. The truth was made very known. Don't listen to lies. Chapter 28, verse one. And it happened in the same year, the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah, in the fourth year and in the fifth month, that Hananiah, the son of Azor, the prophet, so we got a prophet, who was from Gibeon, spoke to me in the house of the Lord, in the presence of the priests, and of all the people saying, so very public proclamation here. What does he say? Thus speaks the Lord of hosts the God of Israel saying, 
I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon. Within two full years, I will bring back to this place all the vessels of the Lord's house that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, took away from this place and carried to Babylon. And I will bring back to this place uh, Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, with all the captives of Judah who went to Babylon, says the Lord, for I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. So then the prophet Jeremiah spoke to the prophet Hananiah in the presence of the priests and in the presence of all the people who stood in the house of the Lord. And the prophet Jeremiah said, amen. Yeah, so be it. The Lord do so. The Lord perform your words which you have prophesied to bring back the vessel of the Lord's house and all who have carried, been away, carried away captive from Babylon to this place. Nevertheless, hear now this word that I speak in your hearing and in the hearing of all the people. The prophets who have gone before me and before you of old prophesied against many countries and great kingdoms of war and disaster and pestilence. As for the prophet who prophesies of peace, when the word of the prophets comes to pass, the prophet will be known as the one whom the Lord has truly sent. Make no mistake, Hannah and I knew he just had the smack laid down to him in a very genteel way. You know how I know that? Because as we read on, you're gonna see his response. Now, I'm just gonna say, I don't know a whole lot about Hannah and I, but I wrote some words here in my Bible that I put down bold, confident. In my mind, as he's proclaiming the word of the Lord and he's saying, thus saith the Lord, I, I just have this in my mind that he's probably, probably a good looking dude, charismatic, got some great image. If he was on social media today, he'd be getting a lot of likes, he'd be getting a lot of followers. The guy just seems like he's got it going on. And I'm just gonna say, you're gonna see in the next verse that we read, got a little bit of cockiness going on. Not only is he confident and bold, he's got a little bit of swag going on. Got some swagger. Because listen how he responds. How does he respond to Jeremiah? Then Hanani the prophet took the yoke off of the prophet Jeremiah's neck. So he goes over and he takes it off his neck. And he not only throws it down, but he breaks it. In front of all the congregation, in front of all these witnesses, you understand what I'm saying? Like he got what Jeremiah was saying, but now he took it to the next level. The dude's getting like all spun up. He's like, dude, I know what I'm saying. I'm the man. I'm a prophet. This is what God says. And he takes it off and he breaks it. Let's keep reading. And Hannah and I spoke in the presence of all the people saying, thus says the Lord. Even so, I will break the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, from the neck of all the nations within the space of two full years. <laughs> I love this. I love a guy that's just... So what does it say? What did the prophet Jeremiah do? He just left. Just, okay, dude. Whatever. He leaves. Not done yet. Let's keep reading. Now the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah after Hanani the prophet had broken the yoke from the neck of the prophets. Jeremiah saying, go and tell Hanani saying, thus says the Lord, you have broken the yokes of wood, but you, Hananiah, but you 
have made in their place yokes of iron. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, I have put a yoke of iron on the neck of all these nations that they may serve Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and they shall serve him. I have given him the beasts of the field also. Then the prophet Jeremiah said to Hananiah the prophet, hear now, Hananiah, the Lord has not sent you. Follow this progression. He's saying, let's let this play out. You are leading the people into a lie, but people are gonna believe what they wanna believe, but I'm just gonna go around. And the Lord says, you go back to him, and this is what you need to tell him, and he said, you have what? But you make this people trust in a lie. Therefore, says the Lord of hosts, behold, I will cast you from the face of the earth this year, Hananiah. You will die, you will be dead this year because you have taught rebellion against the Lord. So Hananiah the prophet died this same year in the seventh month. So what I wanna mention just really quick is prophecy is absolutely important in the Bible. Jeremiah was a prophet. A lot of his prophecies, a lot of things he prophesied, a lot of the things that God showed him, they came to pass during Jeremiah's lifetime. And I, I just wanna say to you that prophecy, this is a church family, this is a man, this is a spiritual leader that I believe in prophecy. I believe in foretelling and I also believe that God gives us things in advance to let us know and there's a reason why he does it. I'm reading this, there's a section in here about Jeremiah and I love going through this. This is a man that's devoted his life. I've been reading from Amir and I've been reading this book and it's talking about prophecy in the end times and not setting dates but knowing the times and the seasons, being able to look and see what's going on so that we have a clue when this last harvest of Gentiles and when the Lord is gonna return. There's prophecy all throughout the scripture proclaiming the return of our Lord. Now that's another whole subject, but I want you to understand that this word is super important and God is not done proclaiming his word. You know what, you wanna know why I believe that prophecy is important? Because it is a means for God to let everyone, all the nations know that he is the one true God. Now, we got a picture up here. This is really a simple message this morning. This is what I wanna ask you, this is a warning. Truth or lies? Truth or lies? Do you understand the scary part about what I'm saying this morning? What I'm talking about, I'm not talking about from a governmental standpoint, and what's amazing is not, I'm not saying, hey, Nebuchadnezzar, it was obvious what Nebuchadnezzar, the way he led, the way he taught, the way he governed the nation. There's no comparison here between saying that Nebuchadnezzar is a liar. The issue here is religious leaders, and if you go back and look from Jeremiah chapter one, leading all the way up to Jeremiah chapter 27, the sad part about what was going on continually within the nation of Israel is that it was people in positions like mine promoting and proclaiming and teaching wickedness, ungodliness, selfishness, do whatever you wanna do in the name of God, in the name of the Lord. It was the religious leaders, the spiritual leaders that were leading people into lies. So here's the warning, truth or lies? Truth, 
as a follower of the one true God, we must learn to trust what God says. The authority of God's word is my constant source of truth. It's trustworthy and it is absolutely reliable. And if you're sitting here this morning and you're not to that point, I wanna encourage you. I wanna encourage you to take steps toward finding out if what I just said is true or not. In my life, you know why I started studying Jeremiah? Because I needed the truth and the direction. I needed the eternal truth of God that he was gonna speak to me through Jeremiah. And one of the things that I'm trying to help you understand this morning is that when we're talking about truth and lies, let me just say this. In our society over the last multiple years, I'm not talking this morning about your truth, my truth, your feelings, your interpretation, how you see things. I am proclaiming like men and women of old that what I'm talking about this morning is eternal truth. Not truth that's gonna change based on the scientific, scientific information. Okay, this is truth. Man, I believe in science and they got it going on and all these great people. Placing trust and faith in somebody you know nothing about their personal life. You know nothing about their integrity level or what they've done to their families or how they've obliterated multiple, multiple marriages. Just, well, they're a scientist. They're a research specialist. Okay, and they stopped being human somewhere? They became super trustworthy? I'm not talking about this morning, your truth, my truth. I'm talking about eternal truth that doesn't change. Some of you, raise your hand this morning. You can use your fingers. Since you've been alive, how many times have eggs flip-flop? They've been good, they were bad, they were good, they're bad. How many? Raise your hand, give me fingers. Judy, you should have the most perspective, okay? <laughs> I'm submitting to her wisdom. Her hand was like, okay? Anybody else? One, two, three, four, five times? Don't eat eggs, eggs are bad for you. Chickens are gonna, I don't know what happened to chickens along the way, but eggs became bad. And then all of a sudden, wait a few more years and there's a new scientific study. Eat eggs, don't wash the outside. Eggs are good for you. You need to keep them in the, and then a few more years. Don't eat eggs. Eat our manufactured, high glyceride, humanly manufactured eggs. They're better for you. We've got all kinds of weird stuff in there. Okay, thank you. I'm talking about eternal truth. I'm talking about truth that we can bank our lives on that doesn't change. And lies, anything, a lie, in my opinion, as we're studying the word of God, is anything that is not eternal truth with God. That just gives you a wide open perspective. And you can have unbelieving people proclaiming truth because they don't even understand that they're proclaiming the truth of the word of God. They're proclaiming God's presence and they just don't give him the glory. So a lie is anything that is not eternally true with God. That's deceit, misrepresentation, fabrication. So my question is, who are you listening to? Who really has your ear? Who do you allow to influence you? I know the young generation, which is much younger than me, if you look statistically, I understand the way that their minds work and the, the, they distrust a lot of established things. So they have a new level of confidence in what we call social media influencers. What's amazing to me that most of the time, there again, we don't know much about their real lives, their real story, their real background. 
It's all based on perception and presentation a lot of times. I'm asking you, who is influencing you? How do you know that they're telling you the truth? Romans chapter 15 and verse 4. Whatever was written in former days. Now, I'm going to say that I think pretty much Jeremiah's story here fits in former days. Was written for our instruction that through endurance, hanging in there, not quitting, not giving up, and through the encouragement of Scripture, this eternal record right here in the heavens, that Scripture, we might have hope. Some of you walked in here this morning and you're struggling with this hope within yourself, and yet part of the reason why you're struggling is because you've listened to lies, and some of you have actually listened to lies within the church. And just because somebody can take a Bible verse and they can hang it over or put it over doesn't mean that that's God's truth. It doesn't mean it's been applied properly so that you can base your life on it. Let's keep reading in Jeremiah chapter 29 together. Now, I want you to understand the context of being enslaved and held captive. Now, these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the remainder of the elders who were carried away captive to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. He's sending it this whole broad-ranging group of people. This happened after Jeconiah the king, the queen mother, the eunuchs, the princes of Judah, the Jerusalem, the craftsmen, the smiths had departed from Jerusalem. The letter was sent by the hand of uh, Elisai, the, um, the son of Shaphan, and Gemariah. Yeah, that's close. Some of you are feeling my pain right now as I'm reading these names, okay? Not names I'm going to name my grandchildren, probably. The son of Hil- uh, Hilkai. Whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Babylon to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all who were carried away captive. So we're talking about people that are enslaved, held captive, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon, uprooted, carried away. Are you getting a picture here? This is not like a favorite vacation story. Are you tracking with me? Not a favorite vacation story. Build houses and dwell in them plant gardens, and eat the fruit. Take wives and beget sons and daughters. And give your daughters to husbands so that they may bear sons and daughters, that you may be increased there and not diminished. And seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive and pray to the Lord for it, for this peace, for in its peace you will have peace. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, in writing now, now it's in writing, do not let your prophets, your diviners, who are in the midst, deceive you, nor listen to your dreams which you, um, which you cause to be dreamed. For they prophesy falsely to you in my name that I have sent them, says the Lord. So they're saying to these people that are falsely representing, misrepresenting, lying to the people, the Lord has sent me. For thus says the Lord, verse 10, after 70 years are completed in Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and cause you to return to this place. Anybody... 70 years or older in here. 
I thought, sure, we had a couple. Are you, we have two people not voting this morning? Okay. That's all right. Like, boy, you can't make me vote. I'm, yes, ma'am, you are correct. Your entire lifetime held captive and enslaved. That's the message that was just sent to this group of people under Nebuchadnezzar's rule that were enslaved. So it's, it's a pretty sobering passage about God's judgment. And this is what I want you to understand this morning. As we're looking at this, these people are there because they rejected, they would not repent, they would not come back to God. God was constantly knocking on their door. God was constantly trying to get their attention through the prophets. And what they regularly said is, no, God, we don't want to serve you. We've got a better way because it feels good for us. So God was left no choice but to judge them and deal with them. This is a problem that I see today, and I want to use this first. So if I'm about to annoy you, frustrate you, or offend you, take a breath on the messenger and receive the message. Because the verses I'm about to read you, to me, have been some of the most misquoted, misapplied verses over the last 10 years. Because if I say Jeremiah 29 11, some of you would just go like, oh, I love that verse. Look at what it says. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not, to, not, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call on me and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. You know, I've heard that ver those verses so many times over the last 10 years. Quoted by people that on the flip side, when they're devastated and their life falls apart because they have had pastors and teachers proclaim these verses out of context, like they're a get-out-of-jail-free card, you can make whatever decision you make because God wants beautiful things for you. It really doesn't matter what you do because God is love and he wants the best for you and he only has great plans for you. That sounds really great, but with our decision making a lot of times, the two don't go together. These verses are not a get out of jail free card. What these verses are is in the context of this judging situation. And Jeremiah is saying, you guys are going to have to be in captivity for seven years. But I don't want you to lose hope because God has a plan for you. He has a way for you. I want you to be encouraged as you endure these 70 years because God has some plans for you. If you will seek him, if you will pursue him. And if you will be open to him. We've got another slide I want you to look at. This is a concern that I have in the warning. I've listened to pastors, preachers, prophets in America and in other continents of the world for the last 10 or 15 years. And when you hear them proclaim the God that they proclaim, it's not the God of the Bible because what there is, there is no sense of consequence for choices. There is no sense of judgment. It's as if we can live and do whatever we want to do in the blood of our Savior with his amazing grace and we cheapen his grace and we cheapen his blood 
as if our response doesn't matter and our lifestyles are a mute point. That's a lie. The whole counsel of God, from Genesis to Revelation, we don't pick and choose verses. We look at the whole counsel to see what is truth, what is a lie. And I'm saying to Tim Duggins, and I'm saying to those of you that can hear my voice this morning, a warning. Who are you listening to? Who has your ear? Are you basing your life on what other people say is truth? Are you basing your life on other devotionals or other people that have given you second and third and fourth hand information about God? Or are you going to the source? Are you hearing the voice of God? Are you learning, as it says in John chapter 10, to hear his voice? His sheep hear my voice. They know his voice. They know his truth. And they're able to respond to him. You say, Tim, man, I'm, I'm not there. I'm not believing that this is, man, you, you, you're like all in on this book. Absolutely. You know why? Because it's tested in my life. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I have tested these truths to see if they are true and if they are acceptable, if they fit in my life, and they do every time. Doesn't mean they're comfortable. And I'm like, oh, happy-go-lucky when I get worked over. Because guess what? There's times where I read the Word of God and it's just like what it says. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. I got a scalpel being applied to my heart and soul and I don't go like, oh gosh, that's awesome. I'm bleeding out. That's beautiful. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) My response is like, ow, that hurts. Oh, the wretched man that I am. Kind of sounds biblical, doesn't it? You say, and if you study and look, Skeptics, agnostics, atheists, people that have fully rejected God and said that this word is fallible and messed up and it's full of errors and lies, those same men and women have gone to the word of God to prove that God doesn't exist and they've walked away born again and transformed because the spirit of the living God meets the power and the truth of this eternal reality and their lives are transformed. The warning this morning is, truth or lie? And how do you know? The only way we're going to know is to test it against the word of God. Because the word of our God, when everything else burns and is done away with, it will still be active and present and alive. Because Jesus and the word are the same. That's another whole thing. Don't listen to lies. Listen to God and listen to his truth. Say, Tim, but I got a lot of questions. Well, come and talk to me. Talk to somebody else. Let's talk through your questions. Like, Tim, I I just think that you're being a little extreme. Oh, yeah. I'm a spiritual leader and I'm supposed to be like middle of the road. Like, yeah, let's base our lives on the word of God. I think pretty much it's kind of accurate, but it can be changed based on our screwed up culture, our messed up society, but it's still important. Where? How? Yes, I'm all in, I believe. 
Because this is my foundation. This is my eternal truth. This is what gives me confidence. I can go to God in the midst of all that's going on and like, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And then why do I sing that? Because it's true from the word of God. It's eternal truth that's put to music. Who are you listening to? Who has your ear? Let me just say this for some of you that you've told yourself for a long time, it doesn't matter what you put into your mind. It doesn't matter what you listen to. It doesn't matter what you fill yourself with. Oh, contraire. <laughs> I've got people sitting right here right now that they've made strides over the last year. They've made strides over the last six months. They've made strides over the last three years. And we could go all around this group this morning and they could stand up one after another from women to men to teenagers to college students that would stand up and say that when I began to put my trust and begin to pour the word of God over my life, I began to experience transformation on a whole new level. We're people of the word. May seem crazy walking around with the yokes trying to tell people about God. Jeremiah, he goes to the market, that dude looks whacked. We believe in the Bible. Guess what? You're gonna have some friends and family that go, you're whacked. And what did Jesus say? We got a connection. You're going to understand me. They did the same thing with me. So, Father, help us this morning. I ask that you would draw people to yourself, that the truth of your word, God, that lies would be revealed, that lies would be flushed out. Father, even as we lit the candle, that as we walk in the light, as you are in the light, that those lies, that those misrepresentations, those falsehoods would be flushed out, God, that you would purify your church, that you would make us holy, God, that you would draw out young men and young women, that you would draw out college students, that you would draw out families, moms and dads, that we would be people that would believe your eternal truth and stake our very lives on what you say. So here we are, God. Teach us your ways. Help us to trust you. And we ask that you would draw more people to yourselves through us as flawed vessels. In the name of Jesus, we ask. Amen.